so glad that you're here today, and of course we've got an arena event going on as we speak, and uh, there'll be a message presented there while we're in here also. Um, don't forget Cowboy Church in the Dirt um, every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, for those of you who are brave enough to handle the elements. It was cold this morning, by the way. But anyway, sure glad you all are here this morning. Um, let's open up in prayer and let's go to the Word of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we are so grateful, uh, God, today that mercy did walk in and pleaded our case and that because of the cross of Calvary, we have been called forgiven, that Lord, we've been justified and redeemed by the blood of Christ, that no longer are we that are in Christ guilty before you, God of our sin, that Lord, no longer are we separated from you, an enemy of yours, God, but God, we have been brought into the family of God by this incredible gift of salvation. And Lord, we do rejoice together as brothers and sisters in Christ this morning as we come here to celebrate and to, to just be so grateful over what you've done in our life, Christ. And so, Lord, t this morning, Lord, even those that are in the arena right now that are, that are involved in this event that's happening, Lord, today, I pray, God, that, Lord, you would minister to their heart, Lord, as the word is shared and as people just are there to minister to them. I pray, God, that you would uh, touch their hearts, Lord, and draw them to a knowledge of who you are and a saving relationship, Lord. And for anyone that's in here this morning or listening by radio or watching, Lord, on the internet this morning, we pray the same for them, that, Father, if they do not know you, that, God, that you would do a work in their life to where they could come to know the God of all creation and uh, be brought into the family of God, being forgiven, redeemed, justified, and made a new creation in Christ Jesus through the regeneration of the work of the Spirit in their life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. If you have your Bibles this morning, um, I would like to start off uh, where we took off last week. And uh, last week we talked about how Adam gave the ranch away. And um, the fact that uh, God gave Adam the title deed to the earth in God created absolutely everything, the shining glory of God's creation, the, the very pinnacle of his creation was man, that God created man in his image. And uh, we know that God said uh, that it was good, that his creation was perfect, and God actually gave the title deed to the earth and said, man, this is what you are to do with it. And we're going to look at that a little bit more today. But we're also going to look at the power of the cross and what Jesus Christ came and what he has done and what he is going to do in the future in regards to this earth, but also in regards to being the rightful uh, one to take the title indeed from, from the hand of the enemy. And also he has already done that, but we're going to look at that this morning. So we've been talking about prayer. That's what we've been talking about. And we've come now to the section of scripture um, in Matthew chapter 6, a lot of you know this prayer, you've, you've said this prayer, you've quoted this prayer, and uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and uh, we've come here now, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, and we've made our way now into this verse where Christ says, uh, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And why is that so important that for the first request that we are to come to God for um, as, as children of God, invited into this relationship now where we call God our Father, why is it now that Jesus would say you need to start off with thy kingdom come? 
Because that's what Jesus had been preaching all about the kingdom. John the Baptist had come preaching about the kingdom, that it was at hand, that it was near. And Jesus says, listen, it's, it's right here. It's at the door. The kingdom is coming. And the nation of Israel had been waiting for God to establish his kingdom upon the earth. And uh, Isaiah talked about this, how, how God was going to make everything right and that the kingdom would be established here on earth and that the nation of Israel would be set free from all of the bondage and all of the all of those that oppressed them, and God was going to make everything right. And so they were waiting for the kingdom to come. And so when John the Baptist came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand, or the kingdom of God is at hand, what did they do? They flocked out to see him, and they were repenting of their sin, turning from their life, looking to the kingdom of God that was at hand. And Jesus Christ came preaching and teaching the very same thing. And this kingdom message was going to be preached throughout the entire world, the Bible says. And that is this kingdom that we have been learning about and why it's imperative that as Christians we understand this kingdom concept. Aren't you glad that this is not all there is to life? Although life is great and good, it's hard, it's difficult. Um, you've, you've all stood before those you've loved that have gone on uh, in, in the passing of life. And, and, and saw the separation and felt the pain. Not only that, with all the things going on in the world and, and the evil that's going on and all that's happening, disease and sickness and famine, you name it. Why is all this stuff happening? Well, it all began all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam gave away his rightful place of authority and rule and dominion on this earth, when he did something, when he bent his knee to Satan and he obeyed Satan instead of obeying God. And that's exactly what has happened. So why is this kingdom thing so important? It's very important for us to understand because we know that there's a kingdom that's going on in this world here. Jesus told Pilate, I am a king but this world is not my kingdom. This earthly kingdom is not my kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. And so Jesus came to do something, and that was to bring the kingdom of God to earth. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. He's coming again. Did you know that, Christian? Jesus Christ is coming again. That's what he's coming. The first time he came, it's the story of redemption all the way through the Bible. If you start in Genesis and you read all the way through the book of Revelation, the theme of the Bible is all about redemption, to redeem. And that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to redeem mankind. And that is what he is accomplishing and what is happening even in your life today in my life. For those of us who are here in Christ, we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is still redeeming man for himself. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's also going to redeem the earth. If you read the Bible in Romans, Romans talks about how the earth is just, it's groaning because it's waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And when it's going to what? It's going to be redeemed once again. This earth is going to be redeemed. No longer is it going to be cursed. One day, Jesus Christ, the King of glory, he is going to redeem this earth one day again. That's going to happen. And uh, what an exciting thing it is. As we come to the book of Revelation, we're going to enter into what I believe is one of the, 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 the high points, if you will, of a mountaintop in the book of Revelation um, about what Jesus Christ accomplished and what he is doing. And it is very incredible if we read about this. 
understanding that man in his fallenness, that Adam is the, is the father of all mankind and that we were born in sin, we were, we were all in Adam and Jesus Christ came to redeem all of us in Adam and he's about redeeming men. By the way, his kingdom is in the hearts of people. He is establishing for himself a people who will be in this coming kingdom. Is that not good news? Ooh, that's good news this morning. What great news it is. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Revelation. Just flip over there, the very last book in the Bible. And we're going to be in Revelation chapter 5 this morning. And we talked about this just briefly last Sunday. Um, but we're going to get into more detail this morning uh, of what really is happening and what Jesus Christ has done, is doing, and will do in the future. Revelation chapter 5, you can read straight through from 1 all the way through here. And it's really a continuation. There is no, there's, no, there's no stopping. It's just moving right on through. We know that the book of Revelation was, by, was written by John, the Apostle John. That's who it was written by. John now is the last apostle left. They've all been martyred. They've all died. Everyone's been gone. John, though, um, his life has been spared. And he's now been exiled to the island of Patmos. And it is a rock hill, I mean a rock, that's all this thing is, surrounded by water. He's exiled there and there's no way for him to get back to land. And that's what they did with certain people, prisoners if you will, they would exile them to this island, kind of like Alcatraz if you will. And so John is, is here, understanding now that John was waiting for the kingdom of God to be established. In fact, John's mother was the one that went and asked Jesus if he and his brother Andrew, the other apostle, which was his brother, would be sitting with Christ in his kingdom on his left and on his right. And Jesus said, it's not my place to give away who's going to sit next to me. That's the job the Father's going to accomplish. John was waiting for the kingdom to come at any moment. And John had just been given revelation now to the seven churches in Asia Minor. John knew these churches very well because he was, not only did he pastor some of those, but he was very, very well aware of what they were. And all those churches in, in, in Asia Minor, they're symbolic really of every single church within history, but they were literal churches. And John was to write these letters to all these churches and give these letters out. In fact, this whole thing was going to the churches, the book of Revelation. And so John now had, been, had been, been hearing from Christ now about these seven churches. And I'm telling you, it didn't look too good. It didn't look real good at all. Why? Because five of the seven churches, God, through Christ Jesus, said, I have this to condemn you for. He commended them, but he condemned them. Because there was, there was not only um, sin in the church, very rampant. Uh, they became very tolerant of sin. They became loveless. Uh, they became dead like the church of Sardis. He says, you're dead, that's what you are. Um, the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. I mean, he, he goes through these letters about the church. Now, this is the bride of Christ. And John was given this message for them. Five of the seven, God says, I'm coming to judge you if you do not repent. Two of the churches, only two, did he have nothing but commendation for. That was the poor church, and that was the persecuted church. And so John has been writing this down about these churches. I mean, he's got to be somewhat bummed to think about where the church is. 70 or 80 years here, all the church was, 70 years old or so. And in fact, even younger than that, 60-some years, the church was very young and already had all these issues. So John's on the island of Patmos for his testimony about Jesus Christ. He's left there to die. 
And he has this vision from God to write this book of Revelation down. And now we come to the fifth chapter. He's already seen the throne room of God. He's seen Christ in his glory. What an amazing picture that is in chapter 1. And now here also in chapter 4, we're seeing more of the throne room. Because after chapter 4, we see that John says there was an open door into heaven and I was taken up into heaven. And now John's in heaven in the future and he's sharing with us what is yet to come. This is what he saw when he went into the throne room of God. Listen to this. This is awesome. In chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? John there is in the throne room of heaven. And he sees, seated on the throne, he sees God the Father. Um, he is spirit, so we're, we're seeing stuff here, somewhat allegory. But he sees someone sitting on the throne in all of his glory. Talks about everything around the throne. He sees uh, some things that are happening. The first thing he sees is God. He has a scroll in his right hand. And now he hears a mighty angel. And there were... We know through scripture some mighty angels, like Michael, for example. He was, he's one of those, those, those mighty angels. And Gabriel is an announcing angel. So we don't know what the angel, who it is, but we know that it was a, a very mighty angel. And he says this, as he says this in a loud voice, and John is watching now as he's seeing this take place. And it says this, the angel proclaimed in a loud voice, who is worthy, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside the scroll. John knew what this scroll was. Very common in his day that these scrolls, especially scrolls for title and deed, those all were a part of what this looked like. And what we see in the hand of God is God is holding the title and deed to the earth and an angel proclaims, who is worthy to open the scroll? And not one single person in heaven, no angel, nothing in all creation was worthy to open the title and deed to the earth. And so John begins to weep. He begins to weep. And John says, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, I believe what these elders are a representative of are the Old Testament saints and the raptured church is what we've seen here around the throne. And they're represented with 24 of them, which would be Israel and the church. We have all this together. So we're seeing angels around the throne. We're seeing the, the raptured church around the throne and the Old Testament saints all around the throne. And one of those comes and says to John, he says this right here. He says, do not weep. Basically he says, dry it up. Dry it up. Don't weep, John. John was no doubt weeping. He was waiting for the consummation of the age. 
He was waiting for Christ to come and his kingdom to come. John's the last apostle left. Everyone else is already gone. The church is still there. Disciples of Christ are still there. The church is still doing the church work of the kingdom building. But nonetheless, the church is in shambles. John's exiled to the island of Patmos. He's an old man. And now he finds that when he gets to heaven in the throne room of God, and God holds the title and deed to the earth, and there was no one in heaven and no one on earth and no one under the the earth who is worthy to open the scroll no wonder John wept aren't you glad we have hope so the, the, the one of the elders tells him this do not weep he says he points now and says see the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has triumphed and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals Guess who the lion of the tribe of David is? Guess who it is? It's Jesus Christ. He is the lion. That's what he is. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he comes again, he will come as a lion. That's how he'll come. But John, when he looks and sees what the elders describing, he sees something else about this lion. He doesn't see the lion of the tribe of Judah. Not only was he the root of David, he came from David, but David came from him. He is God. That's who he is. And Jesus himself here, as the elder says, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, it is Christ. It is the Messiah. John, dry it up. Dry it up, because look, look, here he comes. And then there's Jesus Christ, represented as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then it says in verse 6, John now says what he saw. Then I saw a lamb. I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. This, lion, this lamb was not laying down. This, lion, this lamb was what? He was standing in the center of the throne. And he was encircled by the four living creatures, the angels there. And then he was also surrounded by the Old Testament saints and the raptured church were all there around the throne room. And in the middle of it all, in the middle of the throne, stood one who looked as though he had been slain. That's what John sees. When Jesus came in the early beginning of his ministry, what did John the Baptist say? to his disciples and those with him. He pointed to this man coming. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, but he is also the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. That's who Jesus Christ is. And he's not laying down. He is standing. And John sees him as the lamb, looking though he had been slain. I believe with all my heart that what the Bible clearly is teaching or pointing to is I believe that through all eternity, Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But I also know that he will bear on his body the marks of his crucifixion Jesus Christ the Lamb of God for all eternity you and I will be there and we will see on him the marks of the payment of our freedom on the Lamb for all eternity 
It's very interesting to me that when the ladies went to the tomb the morning of the resurrection, when they first saw Jesus, they didn't even recognize him. I also find it interesting that on the road to Emmaus, as Jesus walked along with his disciples, he walked along talking to them, but they did not know who he was. He stayed for supper, and he took the bread, and he broke the bread, and all of a sudden they're like, it's you. What did they see? Maybe they saw the hole marks in his hands. I don't know. See, the Bible makes it clear that when Jesus was beaten, he was beaten so badly that he was beaten beyond recognition. I believe that Christ will bear on his body the marks of your and my redemption. That's why Thomas says, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is resurrected until what? Until I put my fingers and touch where the nails were. And until I take my hand and I place it where the spear went in. And that's exactly what he did. It's one thing for you and I to be punched in the face when we expect it coming, but the Bible says that they put a blindfold on Jesus and took their rods and beat him mercilessly and punched him in the face over and over and over and over again. His body will bear the marks of your redemption. And what John is seeing here is a picture of a lamb standing looking as if it had been slain. It's a powerful analogy. He was standing in the center of the throne. He was encircled by the, these, these, these cherubim angels. They were there around the throne. Not only was he that, but then the elders were all around that. And then John says, and this lamb had seven horns. If you study anything about scripture, you know what horns represent. The horn represents what? Power. The number seven, what's it represent? Perfection, completion. He is all-powerful. What we see here in this lamb, although he looks as though he was slain, he's got seven whores that represent he is an all-powerful. He's, he's, he's all-powerful. And then John says he has seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth he is omniscient he is all knowing that's who this is this is Jesus who was with God before the foundation of the world this is Jesus who created absolutely everything in all the universes this Jesus created them all the Bible says in John chapter 1 that nothing that was created that is created was done by everything was done by Jesus He created it all. Why? Because he is God. He was with God in the beginning. This Jesus Christ now, which has been now brought back into the throne room of God and being given back his glory for who he is and what he is. John now is seeing this resurrected Savior of the world that redeemed mankind. And now he has the scroll. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. And it says this, he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, listen to what happened, what John sees in heaven. Now listen, if this is boring to you, I apologize, but you're here. You were here. Do you understand what I'm saying? John is seeing in heaven, in the future, what is taking place. You and I are here. We're here. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is incredible. 
John is seeing in the throne room of God, we, oh man, I can't hardly hold this back. You and I are going to be present when Jesus grabs the scroll. Do you understand? You have to understand what this is. John has been given a vision of the future. He's in the throne room of God. The church is gone, chapter 4. The church is all through chapters. At the very beginning, boom, doors open. Now the church is aware. It is in heaven. You and I who are in Christ Jesus during this age of grace from the cross until the second coming of Jesus Christ until the rapture of the church, we are being gathered right now for a people who will rule and reign in the kingdom of God. Now what we're seeing here, which is so incredible, John now... This is in A.D. about 94, 96 now. John is given a vision by God of what's going to take place in the future. And he sees the angels around the throne, these mighty angels. And around them, he sees the church and the Old Testament saints. They're all there. This is incredible. And we're going to be present when the Lamb, who looks as, as if he'd been slain, comes and grabs the title deed to the earth. And then he begins to pour out his judgment upon those left on the earth. Now listen, this is incredible that we are here. We're right here. And then it says this, look what took place in heaven. When Jesus took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne... The angels, the mighty angels, those cherubim who were around the throne of God, you know what they do? Them and all of us fall down before the Lamb. We fall down before the Lamb. Do you know why you will fall down before the Lamb? Because all that God has prepared for you and I and all those who will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I know that salvation is nothing but a gift of God's grace. It is nothing that we have done. It is all by grace through faith. And when we are there in the throne room of God and the Lamb takes the scroll, the title deed of the earth, you and I are going to hit the ground in worship of this Jesus Christ who gave you everlasting life. The angels aren't redeemed. But we are. We're redeemed. It says that they all fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. <laughs> all these prayers that they've been praying for all through the Old Testament, all through the early church, all through even now, through all history, are going to be held in bowls. And these prayers of all the things that have been so wrong for so long, the separation, the pain, the, 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 the uh, sickness, you name it, death, all of that stuff, it's all right there. And it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're praying, oh God, would your kingdom come, not only in the hearts of men today, and that's why we pray, oh God, your kingdom come, but we're praying also, oh God, one day, I pray your kingdom come, and I say, Lord Jesus, come. That's what we're praying. And all these prayers of all the saints throughout all history are there, and they're holding these prayers. And now, listen to this, and now there begins to be worship in heaven worship you struggle worshiping God 
you won't struggle worshiping God in heaven. Oh, you won't struggle. Listen to their song. It's a new song, by the way. This is what John hears. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. The Son of God, the God in flesh, the God-man who came and defeated Satan on the cross. And what did he do? He began to build a kingdom and a people for himself to take out of the slavery and the bondage of Satan. And God is gathering a people for himself. Taken us from the kingdom of darkness and he's placed us into the kingdom of the glorious son. He's forgiven all of my sin. He's made me a son of God. He, I'm righteous in his eyes. All of the things that Jesus did is an incredible thing. And we see it here and there's a new song. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe. Is this not going to be beautiful? Every language and every people and every nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Listen, and they will reign on the earth. Is that not incredible? Then John says, oh, this is amazing. He says, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And so here's, here's, here's a countless number of those who serve God all around the people of God. And then around that are the four cherubim angels who serve God day and night right around his throne. And this is all going on and John is seeing all of this. And then this is what they said in a loud voice. They sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and to receive wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then John says, I heard every creature in heaven, on the earth, and in the sea and all that is in them and do you know what all creation is doing? Is worshiping God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. We are in the time of the mystery that Paul talked about. That Israel thought Jesus was coming and he was going to make himself king and set up his kingdom he says to his disciples you don't understand I'm going to the cross I've got a work to do here that my father sent me to do and that is to redeem mankind and from that point on he begins to build his kingdom in the hearts of men and women all throughout time from the time of the cross until this very day Jesus Christ is building his kingdom in the hearts of men and women and you know what you're invited and called by God and commanded by God to share with them the kingdom message that's what we're here for because he's not done building his kingdom yet. And then one day, as you begin to read through now, start in chapter six, we're gonna see now what's God doing. He begins to pour out now his wrath upon the earth. He's not gonna pour his wrath out on his bride. It ain't happening. The bride's gonna be gone. You men, you never pour wrath on your bride before the wedding did you once <laughs> it didn't go well did it no 
The bride's not going to be on earth when the wrath of God is being poured out. The bride is going to be with the bridegroom. And now God, Christ Jesus, is going to take his rightful place of the owner and the authority of the ruleship of who he is. And he's going to begin to pour out now his judgment upon this earth that has rejected him and that Satan has blinded. And now what's going to be incredible through this is there are going to be thousands upon ten thousands who come to faith in Christ during this time. But it's going to cost them their life. Listen, the Bible says this, very important. It's appointed unto man once to die and face the judgment of God. The Bible says that every single knee is going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Think about how incredible it is that God has commanded you and I to go into Satan's world to share the truth of this gospel message and gather those for his kingdom. It's incredible. There's a whole lot more to life than 70 years and a hearse. We are going to worship him because he's worthy. We're going to see him take the scroll. And then we're going to watch as God does his work. As he judges the world. And as he reigns and as he rules. And one day, this is what the Bible says, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Jerusalem itself, the heaven, God, the kingdom, the, the throne will be established in Jerusalem. Why is it to this very day that every single thing is centered around Jerusalem because God said it will always center around Jerusalem because his throne is going to be established one day in Jerusalem it will always be this way why is there even an Israel <laughs> why are there even Jews Satan has tried to destroy that nation for years because God said this is how it would be. And to this very day, it is. The nation of Israel has been brought back to their homeland. God says, I will gather you from the four corners of the world. Where are we at in the timeline? Last days, guys. And we have been for a long time. Israel in 1948, who wasn't anything, became a nation with its own land, its own government, its own people. And the Jews have been coming back to Israel, coming back to Jerusalem. I was just there a few months ago. There's Jews everywhere, all wanting to be at home. They're from all over the world. They're coming to Jerusalem. Why? Because the king is coming. Oh, Christian, hear me. You were called for something so incredible. We are already there. John sees us around the throne of God, worshiping Jesus Christ because he is so worthy to be worshiped. You know people 
that do not know Jesus. That's why we're here. So we can tell people about this good news. You don't have to live in Satan's kingdom. Jesus Christ came to set you free. He already conquered and did it all on the cross. You can be brought from the kingdom of darkness into the glorious kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is the most incredible story and message of all time. Let's pray. Oh, God. Thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, the truth is we're not worthy, God, for your salvation. None of us are. As Sonny said this morning, we all can say an amen. We're still, we've got so many issues. But we're righteous in your eyes because you imputed on us your righteousness. You took our sin, you took our shame, you took our guilt, you took everything, gave us new life. Lord, you've done it all. It's incredible, God. And Lord, we don't know God, when you're coming again, but we know the Bible says when birth pains begin to happen and things get closer and closer, Lord, we know the days we're living in. So God, help us to love people, to share this good news, to bring them, Lord, to a knowledge of who you are. God, we don't save anyone. We simply share with them the good news and then your Holy Spirit, Lord, does what the Holy Spirit does. If there's anyone here within the sound of my voice in this room on radio or watching by TV, Lord, I pray today God, they've heard you call their name. That you know the number of hairs on their head, the number of days they'll walk on this earth, that you know, God, all things about them. And before they were ever born, before they were ever thought of them, you knew them before the world even began and you had a plan to redeem them to yourself. And today, if they'll surrender their own life to you and receive your new birth, your new life, your righteousness, everything, God, you will save them today and give them the abundant life that can only be found in Christ. Thank you, God, for the rest of us. Break our hearts for lost people. Help us to hate sin but love sinners, Lord. And take this message to the rest of this world, God. This is our world, Wichita Falls area. It's our world. Help us to take this to a lost and dying world. Lord, we love you. We pray that you, pray that you would use us, continue to use us, Lord. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ and for even those around the world that are being persecuted greatly for their faith. Pray that you would strengthen them. Help them, Lord God, to endure. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.